Artist Collective podcast. This next one's about. Aubrey Sellers, hello and welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> this is so exciting and all the way from LA. So we're like three time zones apart. Yes. <laughs> and I had I had trouble explaining that. Well, sorry, your manager had trouble explaining to me one time. There, I kept so. getting stressed out like I was going to, because, you know, as you can imagine, there's a lot of, we, we sometimes have problems with that where we get the times mixed up. And I kept thinking, I hope that I'm getting on here at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we got it sorted in the end. We got it sorted. Okay. So I'm so delighted to speak to you. Um, thank you so much for, for joining the podcast. So this, um, if you're not aware, this is a podcast where I interview songwriters and we talk about their songs and we talk about their careers. Um, and it's generally just a way for me to meet artists and have fun. All so right. thank you for joining. Um, but I, I'm so excited to talk about your album, Far From Home. So it came out in February of this year. And obviously we all know what happened in March. Um, mm -hmm. So you were scheduled to go on, I think it was three different tours with three major artists. Mm -hmm. All of it got cancelled. Yep. Now we've had to pivot and you've got a new EP that's coming out fully in, in August um, and some a couple of singles. So maybe let's just sort of start with COVID and how that's kind of affected you before we get into the album and, and everything else that, that's sort of come out of that. For sure. I mean, you know, my record came out on February 7th and um, I was not expecting any of this to happen as no one was. You know, it's been a real readjustment period. You know, like you said, I was planning right now I would be on tour, you know. So, you know, I've been getting some stuff set up at my house now because I think I'm starting to realize more and more. I, I kind of knew that we weren't going to be touring for a while, but I think as time progresses, the reality hits me a little more that, okay, if we're not touring, I have to be doing something else. <laughs> you know, I have to be yeah. doing something else. So I actually ordered, I sold an old camera and ordered a new one and, you know, have some lights and stuff that I'm getting set up. And, and so, um, I'm just kind of readjusting and, and trying to, um, figure out, you know, what I can do, especially video wise, so I can have that kind of face to face connection with people that I can't come close to being on the road, but it's, it's a different thing. And, and I think it's a good way to connect and even stuff like this is, is really great to be doing. Um, so yeah, it's just been a readjustment period and figuring out, you know, actually I'm doing some classes, finishing my degree and a bunch of other random stuff like that, just trying to fill up my time and I'm actually feel very busy. So, mm -hmm. so that's good. But I do wish we were out playing this record live for people. I know. Do you feel this sort of pressure to create by any chance? A lot of people are going, okay, well, we're in lockdown and we've got all this time to create. And are you feeling that? Or is that something that's sort of within your circle? I think for me, since I just put a record out, I don't feel that as strongly. I feel more like, how can I get this record? How can I share this record with people, you know, since mm -hmm. I was going to be sharing it on the road? So I think my head has been more, how can I bring this music that I've made to people? But we did release these other songs, these covers that we're doing as an EP because it feels like the more I'm able to do that right now and put out new music and connect with people, the better just because of the way things are. And so I have been creating a little bit. I've been singing on some other people's stuff and working on some demos and, and kind of getting in the headspace of writing for a new record and, and all that and creating a little more. I think that's going to probably happen more towards the end of the year for me right now. You know, I'm just still working on maybe putting some shows together for this album virtually since we didn't get to have our real ones. 
You should. I would love to join that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And so, yeah, so you were saying um, about this EP that you're about to release and you've got a number of different cover songs on it. So what was the impetus behind doing the, the cover songs and, and how did you choose them? Yeah, these are just, I mean, it's very simply songs that I've loved forever. One of which um, is coming out next week that um, I haven't announced it yet, but I sang it on a show that I did for Lightning 100 Nashville one time and just have really loved the song forever. Wicked Game, which came out last week. I mean, everyone loves that song and I know a lot of people cover it, but it's just truly one of the best and one of my favorite songs. And so for me, it was just, we went in the studio, Ethan and I produced this together. And this is the first thing that we had produced together. He played on Far From Home, my record, but we haven't produced anything together before this. And we really just wanted to go in. It was kind of a hard time for us in life. And it was just a way for us to go have fun and record songs that we loved and kind of remember the joy of being in the studio and uh, making music so for us it was just really a labor of love and I didn't know if we would release it or anything like that we had no kind of preconceived notions of what we were going to do or what we were going to do with it so that's kind of the story behind it it was just us loving these songs and music and wanting to do it for fun and then mm-hmm. we kind of sat on it for a minute and and this seemed like the perfect time to to put it out there yeah, it's a good, well, absolutely. It's a great time. And it's, I'm, I really enjoyed hearing Wicked Game. I know that you have a single night out next week and I'm excited to hear what you've done with it and the way that you reimagine something. It's quite fun. I mean, you're right. It's a great song and you still kept the etherealness, if that's a word of the song, but you've definitely kind of made it your own. And obviously like being a female singer, that will change it naturally, but you have absolutely made it your own. So it's, I, I love it. I was listening to it and I was like, oh yes. Thank like you. That. I love taking songs like that and retranslating them. It's like one of my, I get, I get to do that on the road a lot. And so I, I really love doing that. And it's extra fun to do it in the studio when you can really focus on the production. Mm-hmm. Is there a go-to cover that you do for some of your shows to kind of throw people off like in the middle? For a long time, I did a luxury liner. Well, Amy Lou Harris is the version that I know and love. It was Graham Parsons wrote it, but I did that for a long time in my shows. And uh, I've done some Chuck Berry. I played some Chuck Berry at Bonnaroo. I love Chuck Berry. And then... You know, we did a Dwight Yoakam cover that I put out a video of, and that's going to be the last song on the EP when the whole EP comes out. But anyway, we'd never released it before. We had just done a video for it, and we played that one a lot live, too. So there's a lot. I I love, I always have at least one in my set. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're going to a concert and just to see how someone reimagines something, it's just, it just sort of retunes you back in if you were, not that you would have tuned out, but it just sort of jolts you back into something, you know? Especially when it's, yeah, and especially when you're playing for people that maybe don't know you, it's like something familiar for people to to hear. And if they know the song Mm -hmm. and they hear you doing it, now they get a better sense, I think, of who you are as well and how you translated the song. So, yeah, it's a shame because you were going to play with Tanya Tucker. So it was CMT's Next Women of Country. um, And that was going to be live in New York. And I had tickets. So, but hopefully next year, I know that it's been mm-hmm. rescheduled. So I'm, I'm hold, you know, crossing my fingers for that. I know I, yeah, we, we only got to do one together and then we had a bunch of other ones that didn't happen. So, uh, I can't wait to do it. And at least we got to do one. I said that, like, at least I got to do <laughs> one, even if it didn't. Oh, that's right. Was that, a, where was that? Was that one Madison Square Garden? We did, uh, no, the one we did was at town hall, but, um, we, it was on the day that my record came out and, uh, Brandy Clark played it as well. So it was the That's three right. of us. And then I was supposed to play more dates separately with Brandy later. Um, so yeah, there were a lot of great shows that, but hopefully next year or the next year. <laughs> It'll happen. You, you can do, you can do some live shows and keep people entertained until then. Yeah. But let's talk about your album. So this is your second album, Far From Home, and it followed up from New City Blues. 
so it's funny um, because I just got in the mail uh, my copy of American Songwriter, and there is a lovely two-page spread of Aubrey Sellers. Yay! So uh, I got to cheat and do my. Someone else did my homework for me, but <laughs> but I was reading that. Um, so after New City Blues, there was something of a bidding war for you from the major labels in Nashville, and you made a decision to walk away from those and to you know make the music that you wanted to make w- for for people that would get it. Yeah. So I kind of started my career when I made New City Blues. I had grown up around the music industry and, and knew a little bit of how it worked, and I knew that my creative freedom was really important to me and I knew that the kind of music I make wasn't going to directly plug into the kind of Nashville machine the way it is set up and and so it was always my intention to if I could create the music first to do that before I go to a label or go have anyone kind of be in my head or be part of that creative process and then we put it out and like you said people kind of latched onto it a little bit and I I ended up signing with Warner Brothers but everything that as much as you can know about the <laughs> the way the music industry works. And, you know, even if you grew up around it, it's kind of the same old story. I mean, it's like, there's so many external factors that you can't control, even if you're informed about what's happening. And I think for me, it just really ended up being a choice between do I want to put this record out far from home that I made and feel so attached to and and is a true expression of me? um, Or do I want to spend five years trying to chase something that somebody else wants me to do and for me it was like no question I mean I know I wouldn't be happy making anything that wasn't a true representation of myself so so yeah um it was kind of difficult time but not necessarily a difficult decision to make Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean yeah it is it is walking away from opportunity away but but at the end of the day it's like what opportunity you know the opportunity to not be yourself (laughs) you know so so um and even having walked away from that, you're still got the tour with Tanya Tucker and two other major artists. So, it, I mean, what were you really losing? I mean, it feels good to have people recognize the music and or, or connect with it, I mean. But yeah, I, I think it's really important and it has always been really important to me to be true to myself. And, and I think I wouldn't be happy doing anything else. And I don't think people would be able to connect with me trying to do anything else because it wouldn't be authentic, you know. Mm-hmm. And you talk about growing up in the music industry. Um, were you like an on tour kind of child or so what was that like for you? Yeah, I was. I, my mom homeschooled me on the road. So mm-hmm. I was on the road a lot. And and even before she got a record deal, my dad played uh, in Ricky Skaggs band and Vince Gill's band. And so um, I'd been around it since birth. And, and, you know, my dad had been in a gospel group with his family. So music goes back generations. Mm-hmm. And my uh, grandfather on my mom's side was a country DJ and in his hometown. So, you know, we were just surrounded by music. Um, but yeah, I was on the road. My mom homeschooled me. And so I really absorbed that. And, you know, a lot of people say we sound vocally similar, even though our music is different, which is true, just because I'm not only are we blood, but I listen to her sing more than anyone else. You know, I heard it all the time. And so it's just, you know, natural. So yeah, yeah I grew up on the road and, and, uh, it's really interesting because he, as much as I, I sang background a little bit with her and I, and I sang on other people's records a lot and all that kind of stuff. So I contributed a lot to other people's music, but when it came time for me to make my own and tour my own, it was actually really challenging for me. I, it's a lot different to kind of step in the forefront and be yourself and be putting your own music out there. So as much as I, uh, you may think I was prepared maybe in some ways, but not, <laughs> not in all. And your stepdad produced your album, right? Yeah. Because I I imagine that might be like learning to drive with your parent. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) So how was that sort of in the studio? Yeah, I got to 
you know, be in the studio a lot and see how that part of the process worked a lot. So I felt fairly comfortable with that part of it more so than being on stage, I would say. And we co-produced Far From Home together. So, um, you know, he's a the thing I love about Frank as a producer, because I say, you know, I didn't pick him because he was family. I truly picked him because I love the records he makes on other artists. And, and the reason I love them so much is because, you know, a lot of producers are incredible, but you can hear so much of them in the music that sometimes you know, it sounds like their project instead of the artist project, which is, can be great. And it can be great music, but that's not what I wanted for my, at least my debut album. Um, I wanted to really find my sound and, and, you know, be distinctly myself. And so I think he makes great records, but he's able to, with everyone he works with, Mm -hmm. I feel like really bring out their specific artistry, you know, because of that. Yeah. And I've learned a ton from him watching him work with other artists in the studio as well. Yeah. He, um, Frank Liddell, is it Liddell or Liddell? Liddell, thank Liddell. you. I didn't realize that he mm-hmm. produced Bear Creek for Brandy Carlisle, and because that's actually been one of my favorite albums of all time, and I didn't realize that that, that was Frank Liddell. Oh, really? And I was like, "Oh, Frank Liddell! Oh, Frank Liddell! Oh, cool!" So fancy that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like the, yeah. the sound on that was awesome, and that. But it was so interesting, kind of listening to to your album um, Far From Home, and there were like obviously you've got so many different influences going on, and it's such a broad album genre wise which I love about it. For me, there was a couple of, I think it was Going Places, gave me like a sort of um, Blue Sand, Alison Krauss, Robert Plant vibe, which is T-Bone. Oh, I love that. So I was like, I loved hearing that. And it sort of got that, I don't know, there's, there's like a space in it. That's one of my favorite records ever. Oh, it's so mm-hmm. good, Blue Sand. Yes, it is. No joke. One of my favorites ever. I love that record. I love the atmosphere of it. And when I went to make this record, you know, we recorded at a place called Sonic Ranch, which is outside mm-hmm. of El Paso. And uh, and it definitely had that kind of desert vibe to it, which is why I'd been inspired by a lot of like Quentin Tarantino soundtracks and things leading in, into this record and, and just that kind of vibe and, and the Ventures in Space record and stuff like that. And so going places I was for me kind of like the sonic mark of the record and kind of the middle of it, I, I guess, or the, the overall vibe sonically. Mm-hmm. And actually, I know that you work, you, you, sorry, I'm going off on various different tangents for these questions, but I know that you do um, a lot of work for some nonprofits and one of them is Girls to the Moon. Can I ask you about that, that nonprofit? And also, because I, I thought going places with it sort of space thing, was that, was there anything yeah, that was related to that? that? I love anything space. Um, Girls to the Moon is an organization that was based in Nashville and um, they do these things called, I think they called them conferences for girls. I can't remember the exact age group, seven to 14, maybe. Um, and they just have all these incredible speakers and workshops for young girls to kind of empower them, train them in different areas. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the speakers they had, but anyway, there will be one weekend a year where they did this. And then they would also do um, events throughout the year and get these girls together and just kind of empower them. And, and uh, so, you know, I did some streams for them and just kind of, you know, wrote some stuff for their website, their blog, and, and um, they're a great organization. In general, I love to support organizations that lift up women and young girls. And, and so that's also why I love Imagination Library because I'm hugely passionate about reading and that's a way to uh, kind of reach out to young people and instill that love of reading and also give them free books to read. Um, so, you know, through my... Uh, I have a book club, um, book Instagram called BiblioClick. And through that, we raised some money for Imagination Library as well. And so, yeah, that's stuff I just like to be involved in when I can and promote the things that, you know, um, I think are important. That's uh, the Imagination Library is Dolly Parton's Imagination mm-hmm. Library. 
<laughs> Sorry. Let's go, uh, let's go back to the album. I went off on the tangent there. There's so many great tracks on that album, but one of them is uh, one that you recorded with Steve Earle, My Love Will Not Change. So tell me, how did that uh, collaboration with Steve Earle come around? Yeah, so the song, it's the only song on the record that I didn't write. I had been a big fan of the Del McCurry version of the song. I'm a huge bluegrass fan. And so I loved his version of it. Um, it was written by Sean Camp and Billy Burnett. And when it came time to make this record, I had been kind of wanting to do that. I had a kind of vision for how I wanted it to sound if I cut it and thought we should try for the record. Steve Earle w has been a huge inspiration to me from his early records to now. And when we recorded that song and it did come out in the way that I had intended it to, I thought who else could sing on this but him? truly he's perfect for it. I didn't expect him to actually do it, but I did reach out to a friend and say, can you just ask, like, can you just send him the song? And, and then he agreed. And I was very shocked. And we just got a, a, an Americana nomination for the song. And I'm so excited about that. So hopefully we get to celebrate together in person because he recorded his part in New York and I recorded mine in, in El Paso. So um, I hope we get to come together at some point. <laughs> That's amazing. And congratulations. Thank That's you. wonderful. Um, I very much hope that you win that. That's, it's very deserving. You know, I, I asked if you would play a song tonight and you uh, very kindly offered to play that song. Yeah. Ready? Oh, is, is that Ethan in the wing there? <laughs> yeah, it's Ethan, <laughs> not my cat. <laughs> seasons come seasons go and the reason you left guess i'll never know there will be others yes i know it's true but they won't do you like i did for you my love will not change my love will not change it just rolls like a river to the sea of your name Thank you. 
well done yeah, ethan nice to see you at the back there big shout out to him um, i love his guitar work he's great oh that was beautiful i love that thank you i was i was like obviously having only heard it with steve earl i was thank like oh, what's this gonna sound like without steve earl but it was it's brilliant it's a great song um i know you didn't i've gotten so used to doing it by myself i hope we get to do it together <laughs> Bringing it back just for a moment to your book club. So how do you, how do you meet? What is, if people want to get involved with your book club, how do they do that? Yeah, it's just Instagram right now. We've got some stuff in the works we're very excited about, but um, yeah, go on Instagram, BiblioClick, C-L-I-Q-U-E, um, one word. I think I have it correctly written on the bottom. We'll see. <laughs> oh, you do? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so we're just on Instagram and right now we just share books that we're reading and we only share the ones that we like. We don't give bad reviews. <laughs> so everything on there is stuff we endorse. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we've had a really good time. So I guess I didn't even mention who I run it with. My friend, Brittany Kennel, who's also a musician, we met in Nashville. And um, she now has moved back to Canada. She lives in Montreal, but we do it together. So uh, it's really fun. And we have some fun things that we're going to do coming up too. So we're huge readers. We, we love it. Mm, me too. Um, so do you guys kind of meet online and do like a virtual thing some, similar to this or is that coming? So no, we, we don't do live streams right now. We just post, we have done some in the past and we actually for a little while had a, um, like a kind of online chat social media platform that was its own. Mm -hmm. Um, but we transitioned away from that and are just doing Instagram right now while we transition to some new things that we're some new things yeah okay. that's exciting <laughs> i love hearing about new things yeah um and so your new ep comes out uh august 7th yes so how many songs are on the new ep three it's just three songs three covers that of songs that i love one of them is dwight yoakam which we had never released uh it's a thousand miles from nowhere we had put a video of it out we've never actually released the track so that's one of the songs on there and then wicked game came out last week but yeah we have uh, one more coming out next week before the whole ep comes out and um and yeah, we just had a really fun time doing them. And it, and you said, you kind of asked me earlier if I had been creating and, you know, um, I feel like putting these out and kind of seeing people's reaction has made me really excited to to make more stuff with Ethan in the future. So. so when you're kind of in lockdown and feeling, as we all do, sort of quite isolated, just sort of putting something like, you know, out a nice way to feel connected and then it then drives you to to create more? For sure, for me. Um yeah. I mean, I'm obviously as a creative person, I'm always driven to create probably no matter what, but for me, I just, the whole point of doing it is connecting with people, you know? And, and so mm -hmm. when I get to actually have that connection and actually put that music out and see people listening to it and reacting to it, and especially songs that you wrote about things that are happening to you in your life and emotional things you've been through that, you know, other people might relate to. I really drive off of that connection and and, you know, like we were talking about earlier, since we don't get to play shows and, and be out in public, um, it's it felt like a really great time to do that and be able to connect even more. So even though we put out the record just in February, um, you know, this is just kind of an extra bonus and a, and a fun thing to be able to, to connect with people on. Mm -hmm. And the title, Far From Home, I mean, for some people that is very literal right now. Um, so where did that where did that title come from in, term, in terms of the song and where did you pick that particular song to be the title? Yeah. Um, for me, when I was writing that record, not only was I physically far from home for the first time as a solo artist touring full time, I mean, for like three years straight, you know, just constantly touring, there was that that I had to adjust to and, and figure out for the first time and navigate. And then also far from home for me symbolizes kind of finding myself in that process. So both physically, 
I'm gone, but also I'm trying to figure out, you know, really where I land and live in the world, especially in music. But um, even as a person growing up, transitioning from, you know, being a person who just left college and was writing songs to like touring full time and being an artist, you know, so uh, and then navigating all those business things we talked about earlier and and just things that I had, didn't have experience with. And so for me, Far From Home just kind of embodies that that feeling of finding yourself in the world. And and I don't know if finding yourself, people use that term all the time. I don't think you really, that's a real thing <laughs> that you find yourself, but I feel like it's a continuous process. But um, it does feel like that was a huge step. That that time in my life was kind of a, a huge change a period of change and a step forward and that's what this record is about mm-hmm. and in terms of you moving to LA and, and pursuing an acting career as well was that sort of around the same time as well and so yeah it was a little bit after um it was before this record came out um but yeah it was living around that time as well and um acting is something that I've been doing since I was a little girl actually no one really knew because Nashville is not a place where you can do that much but it's becoming more so um especially since they had a famous tv show there but um oh, did they? Which, what was that called i forget um nashville <laughs> <laughs> that's when nashville got hot by the way oh, when I know. people were people saw that show and they were like yep. nashville's the place to be um and then like the bluebird is just sold out forever <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so yeah but i had been acting since i was young i'd been taking classes there with a few classes that they did have there and and then, and then I came out here when I was a teenager to go to acting school so um it's something that I've loved to do forever I actually feel like when I was younger it, music and that felt like equal parts me because one music was such it was in my blood and everyone in my family did it and it's just something that I can't live without and then acting was my other outlet that was just mine you know and I feel like that's important to have as a kid too so so, you know, and it was, I'm very introverted as well. So it, a lot of the time it's easier for me to get on stage as an actor because you're under the kind of cover of your character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I feel that it's, it's funny. I hate acting, terrible yeah. at it. Um, love song, but I, I sort of understand, you know, going on stage and you're sort of performing on stage quite literally as your sort of performer self. Um, mm-hmm. But I always like for me in terms of songwriting, it was a way to express something that I was sort of not very good at expressing as a person Mm -hmm. and I think you know that was maybe why I struggled with the acting side of it because it's just sort of having to delve into something and then put that on yeah I don't know I could never really sort of tap into it but I don't need to I'm glad you can (laughs) yeah for me it's like in the same way that you just described songwriting being kind of cathartic the same thing for both songwriting for me and for acting I think it's like being able to utilize those emotions that you're having I have a lot of them I'm a very sensitive person (laughs) I need two outlets one's not enough (laughs) well creative people we yeah there's many outlets I was often surprised to find that you know like there was a a favorite artist of mine it turned out you know she also turned out to be a really great line artist and I was like oh fancy that and then I'm now I'm like that makes complete sense yeah, I I definitely don't have that gift. I can tell you that. I can't draw a straight line. I'm terrible <laughs> at drawing or painting or anything like that. Same, same. <laughs> All right. So, um, Aubrey, this has been so much fun. And I'm really looking forward to your album coming out and your book club 
next thing that's sort of on the horizon that we I don't know enough about to, to, to lay any secrets on the line. Um, <laughs> and hopefully uh, your tour next year will be back on and uh, I can I can see you live, which will be exciting. Yes, that would be so great. Yes, please let me know if you're going to come because I want to hang out. <laughs> I will. I will be there with my Aubrey Sellers t-shirt on at the front going, yay. yay. Yes, you will. <laughs> you will yeah, I'm, I'll, I'm always that person. So oh, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> awesome. Well, Aubrey Sellers, thank you so much. Um, if you want to find Aubrey Sellers, she is at, at Aubrey Sellers. And don't forget to follow the book club at BiblioClique. And that's how thank I you. say click, but click. All right, Aubrey, <laughs> we'll see you later. Thanks very thank much. Thank you so much. The New York Artist Collective Podcast. This next one's about...